Um, Spencer mentioned earlier the, the phrase, it's good to be us. We are actually in a series entitled that very phrase, it is good to be us. And today um, we are going to hear from a gal in our community who's been here for not too long, um, but on her way back to South Africa this very weekend for, for a bit. We have the blessing of hearing her speak. And I want to tell you a little bit about her story before she comes up here. I know that ev every one of you, whether you're here in the room or you're, you're watching online or you're going to be listening to the podcast later on, God has something specific that he wants to say. When we... Um, got into when we started this series, It's Good to Be Us, we, we are going after wholeness, guys, right? Transform people, transforming culture, great, great phrase, great mandate from the Lord. It sounds good. It's, it's easy to remember. It's, it's supernaturally done. How are we going to get there, God? How can we actually know that we're being successful in the mandate that you've given us as a house? I said, that's easy. Help people get whole, in spirit, soul, and body. And what we found is one of the things that, uh, one of the things that we wanted to go after this very month was growing in our communication skills. It was being able to have godly conversations, being able to have needful conversations in a godly way that will help bring out the best in one another and get us lined up to go the way that God wanted us to, big picture. Are you guys following me? That isn't always comfortable. And so Mary Stewart is going to be teaching today. She is a communication specialist. She has um, very, very large accounts in the secular wor world uh, where they call her in, like BP Oil, Adidas, other companies like that. And they have her speak to their, to their teams. How can we communicate in a way that, that brings the most productivity Remember, we're talking a mountain of influence marketplace right now that brings the most amount of productivity to our organizations. Well, here you have a born-again believer. She's in love with Jesus. She's in love with his people. And so she's also used in the mountain of church, the church mountain, where she goes and she encourages the saints, male and female alike. And we are really excited to have her here. Mary, why don't you come up? I want to tell more of her story, but why don't you welcome her? Yeah. I want to tell you your story real quick, and I'm literally going to make it one minute because I want to give her as much time as we can. Um, Mary didn't grow up in the church like many of us. She grew up, New Age was um, the avenue that she found herself or the road that she found herself on. She was heavy in it for about 15 years. Um, and then she had an encounter with Jesus. Transformed people who can go out and transform culture. So in her encounter, in a very, very dark place in her life, because that's what every other road will lead to outside of Jesus, she found herself in a place where her spiritual mentor, who was also uh, a medium in New Age, dabbling in witchcraft, um, she found herself reaching out to her mentor, and she said, I am in a dark place and I need help. The mentor said, let me, new age phrase, this is all that they, they knew, let me tune in and I'll call you back. She called her back and she said, Mary, it's very, very dark. And Mary's like, I know, I'm here. She said, it's very, very dark and I feel that there's a lot coming against you. I don't, I, she was very specific. I, we don't have time to tell that part. But I will tell you this part. In that moment, she said, 
I know what I'm to tell you. Jesus Christ is calling for you, and he wants you to meet him at the foot of the cross. Her unsaved, unbelieving, but she, she had a prophetic gift. She just was serving the wrong God. And even though she didn't understand it, she gave that word to Mary. And in that moment, as her head spinned around a little bit like, what? God led her into an encounter, and he used the only voice that he knew she would listen to. There's power in testimony. I'm releasing this testimony this morning, not just to introduce our friend and to tell you she's got something from God to say, but to tell you that there are voices all around this city that just don't know who they're meant to serve yet. And we get to come into agreement with the Father and in love walk them into those places of truth so that real transformation can happen. I think the funniest part of that testimony, Mayor, that I always get a kick out of is at the end that that mentor said, and don't ever call me again. Come on. I bless you, my friend. Thank you for bringing this word. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah, give Jesus a round of applause. Give him a big one. Nothing short of a miracle and always so humbling and beautifully told, by the way. I've never heard my testimony so beautifully summarized and, and expressed. It really is. It's, it's, it never fails to astound me what he did and how much he loves us and how I'm standing here in front of a church, a reborn Christian. It still gets me. Um, and what's more, it's just such an honor to be with you, Harvard Church, my spiritual home in the States. I can't believe that, that I get to share this with you today. So thank you for having me. Um, so I get to talk on emotional health, particularly around communication and how we do that well. Um, how are we feeling about emotional health? <laughs> Comfy with that? Is it, I mean, it's, I suppose all of us feel differently about it in different ways, depending where we're coming from. I mean, is it just touchy-feely, you know, good stuff, or does it really serve me as a human being? Does it really serve Jesus? Does it really serve the kingdom? And I don't know how, how well you'd be able to understand or, describe or uh, articulate the definition of emotional health, but I thought what might be helpful is to have a look at how that shows up in a human being. How do we identify an emotionally healthy person? What behavior would we recognize or see? So let's have a look at what that would look like. Ah, okay, there we go. So an emotionally healthy individual should be able to do this. This is how you would identify it these kinds of people. They are able to accurately self-assess their strengths, their weaknesses, and to share those freely with others, okay? They're able to feel, identify, and manage their emotions. How are we doing? Um, they can identify and have compassion for others. We love that. They can respect and love others without having to change them. Ooh, we'll pause there. They're also able to initiate and maintain close, meaningful relationships. I think many of us can identify or, or see people that can initiate relationships, but we want to be those people that can really maintain and push through. And then the big, the big guy at the end, and something that we'd love to spend some time on um, significantly this morning, is that these people are able to resolve conflict maturely. 
considering the perspectives of others and engaging those ideas as they go forward with something that's workable. So with having a look at that slide, would you say that that's a meaningful place for us to be? Not just mumbo-jumbo, not just happy, good feelings, but really something significant to go after as people of God, right? So having said that, where does it begin and how do we understand and frame this? I think there's something foundational around understanding how we get emotionally healthy. And certainly it starts with identity. So that core identity, we know that we are sons and daughters of a loving God, that we are loved, that we're approved of, and that he delights in us. In you, he is well-pleased, and me. That's amazing. Okay, so that's our core. And then sprinkled beautifully on top of that is the unique stuff that he's made us to be, our gifts, our talents, um, perhaps our little quirks, whatever it is that's unique to who he's designed us to be. There we have identity. And then what happens? We know that when we, we give our life to the Lord, we are a new creation. And there's our true identity that's waiting to be fully realized. But life happens. Lies happen. Some of the things that were being um, spoken of earlier, you know, they're like barnacles that attach themselves to a beautiful, smooth-bottomed boat. And the Lord invites us to co-labor with him to get those things done. We continue to work out our salvation. He takes us from glory to glory. But emotional health means being present to that process with the Lord. So I think what I also wanted to just highlight here was the, the passion translation of that uh, scripture, Philippians 2.12, of the fact that we work out our salvation. I think just sums it up so beautifully and powerfully. And I'm sorry this is not on a slide, but maybe you can just really concentrate. Um, he sa it says in the Passion Translation that we continue to make this new life fully manifest as we live in the holy awe of God. That's it. That's what we're doing. So how do we stay in that space? How do we stay present to, to how God is taking us from glory to glory? Um, and I think, quite frankly, it's worth just looking at some key uh, steps to stay engaged with. Let's have a look at those. Practically, we need to get still with the Lord. We have to. We have to examine our inner landscape and stay aware, to, so aware of that. Consider your, consider your inner experience and landscape. And that involves feelings. Guys, how are you feeling about feelings? I think, you know, we, we need to give them a reference. They're not, they're not the evil that sometimes they get labeled. It is important that we don't blindly follow our feelings I think that's the danger. Uh, of course, we don't want to do that. But Wendy said a great phrase, which I remembered from our workshop, and that is that feelings make better servants than they do masters. And if we bring them under the lordship of Jesus, they really can guide us to significant truths and breakthrough in terms of authentic identity. Think about it. You know, feelings can guide you towards your gifts, that, those things that you're made of, when you come alive to something and you think, wow, this is what I'm purposed for, that feeling, those good feelings can help direct what it is that you're made for. It can also help us, feelings can, identify dysfunction, things that are unhealthy in our lives, um, 
I think of a story of a friend of mine sitting at a boardroom table of, of 10 people. Um, she grew up in a, in a big home, and some of her, her childhood wound was not, not being heard because they, she was clambering for airtime, you can imagine, with lo- loads of other kids. So here she is many years later at a boardroom table, and each department, she represents a department, are invited to share their findings and their feelings around a certain topic. But for whatever reason, they run out of time, and she doesn't get her moment. And the stuff that comes up is completely out of context with what's going down. But can you relate to how that highlights a dysfunction that needs attention, that God wants to free you from, that you might operate fully in your identity, fully authentic, so that you can show up to a world alive to what he wants to do in and through you, that you can connect in relationship that is meaningful and powerful. So it's about working with them under the lordship of Jesus. I think that really is as simple as it needs to be. So here are the ways that we do that. We get still journaling, and, I, and you know, we did the workshop, and I loved looking at the guys, and I encouraged them in an exercise to say, today I felt, and there was some of that kind of going on. And it's okay, you know, it's okay. Some of us have big feelers, others aren't. But it's just, if it's a new thing for you, just gently go there. And see what it is that God wants to show you. We don't get stuck in it. We just have a look at it. See if it's there to teach us something and give it back to the Lord. Barnacle gone. Brilliant. Okay. So important to journal. Important to recognize and highlight that mature friends play into this process of maturity in identity and in emotional health with Jesus. How do they do that? They speak into you. You're able to share with them without filter without the masks, because, you know, we don't even know it, but those masks find their way onto our, onto our um, identities. Even in church, they do. Unwittingly, they're these big three core lies that get thrown at us from the world, and I, I, I think it's so worth sharing at this point. That is that we are what we do, we are what we have, and we are what people think, Okay. So that's performance, popularity, and possession. We don't even know how we're partnering with those lies sometimes, but they find their way, and they attach themselves to us. So before you know it, there's the the blurry connection because of masks. So mature friends help help keep us honest, help keep us clear. Um, And then, I mean, it goes without saying, we just pray the whole way and repeat the next day and repeat. So I hope that's helpful if, it, if you're looking at, well, how do we go there and what does that look like? There are some key steps to follow. Um, okay, what's next there, Wendy? Yes, all right. So if we're leading up to what it is that we're um, fully alive to in terms of our identity and we, we're getting clearer and clearer and alive to that fullness in Jesus, we're able to show up in relationship better, Yes. I mean, that really is, it goes without saying. Imagine two clear, beautifully um, alive people in Jesus communicating. Wow. Someone once said that um, communication is the highway that love travels on between two people. How are we doing? (laughs) Some people are going, mm, the highway. Okay. I think I'm on the dirt roads. But... um, the highway really is worth, worth getting right, you know. And we think, well, I mean, I've been communicating since, I'm fi- since I was five. But I wonder, is it okay for us just to consider, again, 
the core, the basics. If we can get some of those basics right, wow. This, uh, before we even move into conflict, let's get comfortable communication, accurate and healthy. And there's a scripture, and I mean, we stand on this, the word of God. I mean, hear ye the word of the Lord. Proverbs 18.13 says this, if one answers before he hears, it is folly and shame. Boom. If one answers before he hears, it is folly and shame. And I think that's the real essence of healthy communication. If we can get back to really engaging, active listening, wow. And I would encourage you, uh, we don't, it's not the, the forum for uh, an exercise, but I'd love you if you can, after this meeting, wherever you're communicating after this, over lunch, over coffee, um, really practicing to listen, to understand. How do we listen to understand? I'm, I, it might sound like we're spelling out the basics, but trust me, people, we've lost this stuff. We need to put our agenda, we need to put our filter completely on hold and be present, actively present to what it is that someone's sharing, okay? And, and with that intention, we will be able to receive what it is that they have us here and understand. Check for understanding. Ask for clarity. Ask clarifying questions. And when, you, when you're clear that you've understood that, that person, you can, you can start what it is that you have to say. And check that you've been understood. You know, don't walk away feeling frustrated that your bit wasn't heard. The onus is on you, too, to be clear to check that you have been, it's been received and that you've been understood. Are we good? And then again, we repeat the process and, it's, and the highway is happening. What could possibly go wrong? Now we've got the highway going, whoops, surprise, surprise, there's an obstruction. An obstruction or a road closure or some kind of roadworks. And what are those things in everyday life in practical terms? I think very often... Uh, the big guys, or two common obstructions, are assumptions and expectations. Anyone? So assumptions really are those things that we are telling ourselves uh, or that we've decided without being told. You know, we fill in the blanks with whatever's going on in here and whatever's going on in here. Um, it can be a small offense that that you don't, even, you, you don't even realize the root of. So all of this is about staying alive to these lies and to these things that are unhealthy and dysfunctional. And assumptions can be so subtle, you know. You can, you can be waiting in church for your, for your best friend. She walks straight past you, and you turn around, and she's busy chatting to someone that you've had some tough times with, and it looks like they're having a wonderful time. And you slip out wounded, rejected, like she walked straight past you. And when, in fact, she didn't see you, and she was asking this other person for a tissue. I don't know. It just gets way out of control, and it festers and festers, and it gets, it gets toxic. Um, Brene Brown. Does anyone know who Brene Brown is? We love Brene. Don't we love Brene? So she tells a great story. Forgive me if you know this, but I think it's a great way to illustrate how assumptions really can um, lead to dysfunction and how best to trap them and w make them work, turn them around. She tells a story of... Um, she and her husband were competitive swimmers in their day. 25 years later, they're on holiday at a lake, and they go swimming together early one morning. And she says, it's just blissful. 
Um, he's ahead of her. She's behind. She's swimming. She's feeling the water. She's, she's alive to God being in the space, and she just feels really connected. Can you, you know, one of these juicy moments that she's just alive to. Anyway, so they're swimming. He pops his head up, and she shouts out, and she says, this is not her flavor at all, but she's feeling it, so she shares it, and she says to him, I just need you to know, Bob, I don't know if that's his name, but let's imagine he's Bob, and she says, I just want you to know, Bob, I'm really feeling connected to you right now. I'm really loving this moment. I mean, if it all ends right now, this is good. This is amazing. Um, I'm feeling the connection here. To which he says, what is good? Carries on swimming. So she thinks, well, he can't possibly have heard what I said. Um, They go for a little longer. His head pops up again, and she shouts it out again. She said, I don't think you heard me. I'm just saying we're really connected. I'm loving this moment. You know, this is really special for me. I love you. And he goes, yep, what is good? And, uh, and they ca- now, she's, now she can't see. She's so mad. What she's starting to tell herself as they swim is that she's not the girl she used to be. She doesn't look good in a Speedo anymore. He doesn't love her the way he did when they were competitive swimmers back in the age of 20. Whatever it is, she's gone from zero to crazy. And that... And they, they get back to the shore. They're about to get out of the water. And she says, she just, she said, I know this movie and I know how it goes. And I bet many of you can, can recognize the truth in this. She knows that if they get out of the water, they're going to go back to the holiday house. He's going to say, do you want some coffee? And she's going to say, no. And he's going to say, why? And she'll say, what's wrong? Nothing. Fine. And anyone? Okay, so... With that story, she says to him, stop, don't get out of the water, don't get out of the water, and I think that's good as an analogy for what we want to do with toxic assumptions and stuff that's rotting and festering. Stay in the water, and she says to him, I just want to talk through what's just happened there, because I'm going, I'm going a bit nuts, and, I, and, and this is good. She says to him, the story I'm telling myself And then she starts to unpack what it is that's going on with her. What are those blanks that she's filled in? So she gets to share the story she's telling herself. He then gets to share back to her that he, in fact, was counting strokes because he was trying to manage a panic attack that was coming on. Before they'd gone to bed that night, they had decided that the children wouldn't swim in this lake because there'd been a lot of drink boat, uh, drunk boating going on. And as they'd fallen asleep, he'd had a dream of the kids all drowning, and this dream was rushing at him while he was swimming. And she knew that to be true because they'd had that conversation the night before. But it's so simple. And then they stayed in the water, and they shared it vulnerably, awkward, to say, am I fat in my costume? And is that what you're really thinking? And then got out of the water, free, connected, intimacy deepened. Good story, right? So, so in terms of assumption, we have to catch them and we have to communicate them. Let's see what these points say. Yeah, it's just, it's worth reflecting on something that you, that you believe, that you've started to believe yourself. If you need to Check that with a person. Say to them, can I, can I confirm that I'm on the right track? I may be wrong, but this is the story I'm telling myself. And then when you're done, let them respond. And stay alive to what they have to say. You know, <laughs> not completely entrenched in what you've, you've believed to be true, because then you're, then you're in defense. Then you're having an argument. 
Are you open to the truth? Okay. So assumptions, very dangerous, but there are other obstructions we need to consider, and those are expectations. Expectations are great if they're understood and communicated. Expectations really can become the code of conduct, the, 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 the way we, we engage, the rules we understand about how things need to play out. Um, expectations can really be, I mean, those of you that share an office, perhaps you've worked with someone for 10 years and it's been like a well-oiled machine, you and your coworker, you know what you have to do, they know what they have to do. 10 years later, this coworker leaves and you have a replacement who's just not getting it. You know, how is this is not hard. The other person got it. And quite frankly, it's worth considering what's fair in terms of communication of expectation that they might be brought into light with, with what you've assumed is a, is a reasonable thing to just know, an expectation of someone. Or perhaps you can, uh, I think of my friend Tina, who, who was wildly in love with her crazy surfer boyfriend and expected him to then become... Um, a sensible dentist like her father when they got married. You know, that expectation wasn't even, um, she wasn't even aware of it. So that's, that's well worth considering in relationship to what are those expectations that you have of a person in a role that may need to be clarified, communicated, and, uh, and agreed on. Isn't that the, the, the crux of it, that last one? Is there agreement on this expectation that you have? So assumptions and expectations are big in terms of, of getting on the highway of love and well worth staying aware of that we might nip them. Are you all with me so far? Because those are the things that lead to conflict. And how do we feel about conflict? We pretty much spend as much time as we can avoiding it for the most part, for the most part. And, and why do we avoid it? We avoid it out of fear of rejection a lot of the time. We, avo we avoid it because of um, fear of pain, of hurting someone else's feelings. And sometimes we believe it's not even godly, okay? Um, and, and perhaps we, we need to reconsider this very word conflict. Instead of seeing it as a battleground and where someone has to bleed and die, that it can just be a breakthrough, a breakthrough conversation. Can we call it that instead of conflict? What about real breakthrough conversation? Because embracing conflict is really, oh, sorry, hang on, Wendy, that was me going, jumping ahead. Um, that is, that's something that I think, if we can reconsider that and get a perspective that having breakthrough conversations and calling for those hard, hard chats actually allows for the most loving exchange, the highest will from heaven for what he wants between two people. That would be truth, authenticity, and a deepening of connection. Not a breakdown, but a breakthrough into something more real and more powerful. There's some scriptures here that I just want to highlight in terms of how we do this uh, breakthrough conversation how we, how we enter into those conversations that they might be meaningful and honoring to the Lord and to those that we, that we engage with. Um, uh, where is it? Here we go. 
So James 3.2 says, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, then he is a perfect man. Any perfect men? No, good. Okay, so, so I think that's the humility and the truth that we need to step into, that we do all stumble. Are we as quick to say, I'm sorry, as we are to kindly give forgiveness? Can we try this all together, church? It's hard at first, but I promise you it gets easier. One, two, three, I'm sorry. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Feels good. Hmm? So I'm sorry is just as powerful as saying you're forgiven. There's such a beautiful vulnerability that is powerful, that is powerful in breakthrough. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, hold and, um, held and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We can move into powerful places with humility, gentleness, and patience. That's how we have big moments. That's how we have breakthrough. And then really, we could have called this whole thing speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. That's what's going on. We're moving in maturity. Ah, oh, brilliant, up there. Um, so with those, as the, that's what we move into these, uh, that's how we move into these hard breakthrough conversations. We have to move through some of that awkwardness, potentially, and we pray for courage in that. You know, that, that, the first, that first bit of, of, of mo- that first, I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the word conflict, but that first few words of, of awkwardness around a hard conversation, we just got to push through and trust God in that because there will come breakthrough if we stay true to what it is that he's calling us to do in those moments and in those times. Um, you know, moving to embrace conflict means moving away from defensiveness and reactivity to an openness, to an empathy, and to vulnerability, which are what all those verses speak to. An openness, an empathy, and a vulnerability. I'd love to share a quick story around vulnerability, which I think is, uh, is, is, is a powerful um, reference. Um, some time ago, I met with a, a colleague, or she wasn't even a colleague, she was a, um, an associate. We did similar work, and we thought there may be synergies, so we met to brainstorm and talk around this. A beautiful woman who loves Jesus, and we met, and probably 10, 15 minutes into our conversation, she said to me, please, Mary, can I ask your forgiveness for something? And I said, What? I mean, what, if, what, what could you possibly have done? I mean, this is probably our third conversation. I need to ask your forgiveness for something. I know about an event that you did, and it, I have jealousy towards that. Could I ask your forgiveness so that we can move forward? And my gosh, that touched me so incredibly deeply. What maturity to call that thing out right there in that moment. Um, I, I will never forget that. As a, and, and just the power of breakthrough that came from that. You know, to meet that moment and to say, of course. I mean, I had no idea that you held that, but thank you for being so, so honest, so vulnerable. And now we moved into the most incredible brainstorming session where we were free of that thing. And I had such respect for her, her courage to do that. It takes courage. 
So I would encourage you to have that courage, to pray for that courage. Okay, so let's be practical now. Breakthrough conversations. Can we see what that looks like? There they are, some practical tips. Be clear and intentional about the conversation. What is it that you hope to achieve when you call for that hard, that hard conversation? Very importantly, honor the person that you're meeting with. You know, people, it's scientifically um, held that people cannot hear you if they believe that you don't like them. They cannot hear you if they believe you do not like them. So we don't have to pretend that stuff as Christians, do we? Because we do, we love people, we love our brothers. So let them know. Let them know what you value about them, that they might hear what you have to say. And as you value them, you are then able to, to move on the highway of love. You share your thoughts and feelings around something, and you use I statements. You didn't do that, and you didn't do that, and now look what's happened. That's not going to get us anywhere. I feel this because of that. What I'm reacting to, which I'd like to share with you, is the following. So you speak from your perspective. You own your stuff. And you share it. Be brief and be clear. And I say that to my sisters. Because the guys are going, hang on, let me just, where are we going? So, so be brief and be clear that you might be understood. Um, and then you invite the other to share their feelings. Listen wholeheartedly. We've drilled on that one. But if there's anything I leave you with, my beautiful Harbor Church family, let's engage in active listening that we might hear and understand. Ask those questions. And then together you move forward into a resolution um, where you're considering the two perspectives. Whatever it is that, that you're meeting around, mothers, daughters, um, colleagues, ministry partners, friends, husbands, wives, whatever you're meeting around, you need to consider the, the objective of what it is that you're in partnership around and work together to make that highway operational again. So those are some practical tips that I would really pray get, get some airtime. And it takes practice because we're not, we're not used to doing these, these things. It, it, is, it, it is a maturity thing. Um, so as the band prepares, it comes up, I wonder if I could just pray um, for us around this particularly. Father God, we just thank you that you have such a specific purpose for, for this house and Lord, that you are actually really going after emotional health in the hearts of, of your people, that you want to bring us into the fullness of who we are in you, that you want us operating in the optimum of what you would have us feel and experience in community, in relationship, and that fully realized we would be able as a, to, to advance the kingdom into, into the culture that is around us, Lord Jesus. Help us to model healthy um, emotional health and healthy relationships. Let the world see your will through us. I want to pray for, rela for relationships and conversations that have to happen. Would you bring them to mind in each of, in everyone seated here today, Lord Jesus, and those watching? Are there some breakthrough conversations that you want to guide your people in? Would you highlight those to them now, Lord Jesus? Would you cover those conversations? And would you help us to experience the freedom, the freedom that you have for us on the other side? We love you. We bless you. And we, and we glorify you for those victories even now, even now in Jesus' name.